Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pause Reviews. Welcome, one and all, to the Pause Reviews podcast. I'm your host, Frank, joined by my trusty co-host, Tim. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Welcome, buddy. So we <laughs> before starting this episode, my wife had come up to me and basically was just like, I hate the way you open every show. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a question. I hate how you say paused reviews. You need to say that different. So I was like, I've been really sweating this all day. Stereotypical in the mirror, you know, like this is paused reviews. This is paused reviews. This is paused reviews. <laughs> I'm like trying to try to find how I want to say this. So, anyways, we're on the hunt now. I, I don't yeah. even remember how I did this one. If this one worked out well, I don't even know how I did it. I, just... I don't think it did. I don't think it did. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should try it again. This is paused reviews. <laughs> Your paused reviews. <laughs> and... What am I? <laughs> what is this? What year is it? I don't like change. Who are you? <laughs> Mom? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> welcome, guys. <laughs> Whatever this is, <laughs> welcome to it. We yep. think it's pause reviews. What are we What are we doing? What are we doing this week? Oh, we're talking about a movie called Dan in Real Life. Yeah. A spoiler alert. Yeah, if you haven't seen this one yet, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk yep. about certain scenes. So uh, just a blanket spoiler alert at the top of every episode. If you want to go and watch it first, we highly recommend that just because I think, you know, that just will probably make your listening experience a little bit better. But if you haven't seen it yet and you want to use this to decide whether or not you're going to, totally valid too. It's yeah. up to you guys. Yep. Uh, where can you watch it? I thought this one was available like through Xfinity or something. But I think this one is only for rent or purchase at this point. Yeah, it's definitely one of those where, like, I'm very familiar with the box art. That yeah, Pancake Face. Yeah, and, yeah. like, so it's been places a lot until we wanted to <laughs> do an episode on it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, thought, I thought it was. So, anyways, guys, ah, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't necessarily recommend you buy this one, but you can rent it. I think I can comfortably say rent this and and listen to this and you'll yep. enjoy it. But we'll we'll get into the details of it. You know what's sad about this is that this movie is old enough, came out in 2007, that I actually rented it from a legitimate movie, you know, store in college. Oh, like, like when it first came out. <laughs> yeah. I think I did too. <laughs> like, I remember going to whatever the heck it was called. Uh, I don't know. It was some generic movies are us. Kinda. Oh, it wasn't like a Hollywood video or a blockbuster. No. No. I went to school on the Eastern shore of Maryland in like this tiny little podunk town. Yeah. So uh, it our, said our 99 cents in the window. Yeah. Our department yeah. store, the closest one was in town called roses and they sold shirts like gilded Tupac and biggie t-shirts. If you wanted a real store, you had to drive 45 minutes to get to a Walmart. Nice. So, Nice. Yeah. That's all right, man. Like I grew movie. up in Stafford, Virginia. Our department store was in Ames. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, Dan in Real Life. Let's jump into it. Let's just get into it. Released October 26 of 2007, as Tim mentioned. Rated PG-13. This is sort of a middling, you know, average movie. And, and the reviews and the scores kind of 
speak to that, right? Yeah. You know, it's 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 above 50%. It's 64, 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, critic and audience. It's a 6.7 on IMDb. I mean, Google gives it an 86, but I'm going to stop referencing Google because I feel like Google, the lowest it goes is 86. Everything's <laughs> right. either like an 86 or a 92. Yep. So we'll see what Pause Reviews gives it. Yeah. Yeah. This is Pause Reviews? <laughs> and it has a runtime of 98 minutes so this one's like i said it's it's lean it's it is. it's just a middle of the road movie which yep. surprised me it was made for a budget of 25 million dollars and it grossed 68.4 million so again if you double the budget to cover marketing and distribution the movie made its money back but with only yeah. about 18 million to spare and you easily could see that getting chewed up somewhere else so it made it didn't lose money but it wasn't a huge blockbuster hit not that this type of movie is expected to be no i will tell you right now i'm sure we rented this movie in college because of steve carell yeah so i mean i think 2007 we probably rented this on the back of anchorman or little miss sunshine had come out in like 06 yeah, Bruce Almighty, 40-Year-Old Virgin. So I'm sure we saw, like, Steve Carell, and we're like, oh, yeah, Steve Carell movie, right? Like, yeah. it was right in that high. And then Dane, Dane Cook, too. You're in college. I loved Dane Cook when I was in college, so. Everybody did. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. He certainly drove this to, to even yes. what it was. I, I, I feel like everyone went and saw it. And then no one else saw it. Like after that first wave, <laughs> right. everyone's like, eh, you can wait till video. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Directed by Peter Hedges. Uh, before this, the only movie Peter Hedges had directed was Pieces of April. Um, subsequently, he made The Odd Life of Timothy Green and mm. Ben is Back. I, I think he's only directed like four movies. Interesting. And the movie was written by Pierce Gardner. Pierce Gardner also wrote a movie called Lost Souls prior to this, and also Peter Hedges co-wrote, because he did script What's Eating Gilbert Grape mm -hmm. about a boy. He worked on Pieces of April, and you know, which, well, he directed it, but he also wrote it. And same with Odd Life of Timothy Green. I mean, What's Eating Gilbert Grape about a boy, these were big, 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 you know, dramatic movies. Yes. Um, so... I don't I was a little bit surprised to find that out as because what I really struggled with in this movie is the writing. Yeah, sure. It ends up being I'm not really sure what this movie ends up being. Uh, and I think the writing is directly uh, you know, responsible for that. What's it about? A widower played by Dan, played by Steve Carell, and father to three daughters, finally finds the woman of his dreams only to discover that she is the brother's girlfriend. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Juliette Binoche plays uh, Marie, who's the love interest in this, and then Dane Cook plays Mitch, who's the, the brother. He has other siblings, too. There's a lot of faces in this. Allison Pill plays one of the daughters. Britt Robertson plays one of the daughters. So, mm -hmm. you know, lots and lots of faces. A lot of people see this as a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. It's, it's part of why I chose it for this one. And uh -huh. I even remember it as a Thanksgiving movie. But it really isn't. You know, no. it's, it's mentioned early on. So uh, the general premise is Dan and his family join his entire extended family. So his, his parents, all of his siblings, their spouses, their kids. It's a massive 
reunion at a house in Rhode Island. Seemingly the house of the grandparents. I'm not sure if it's the house they grew up in or whatever, but once a year they all gather there. Mitch, played by Dane Cook, is bringing his girlfriend to meet the family for the first time. Right. By happenstance, Steve Carell runs into this girl in town, not knowing who she is. They have a connection, and he is at that point completely obsessed and infatuated. And then hilarity ensues. (laughs) So, but that being the, the case, they're all gathered in this place and it absolutely reads as a Thanksgiving movie, but it seems, I think I remember it being mentioned early on that it's this annual trip. The whole family goes to help Nana and Poppy close up the house each year. So it's kind of their vacation house. Yeah. I had to ask you earlier. I was like, did I, did I do it again? Did I miss the part where they're like, Hey, happy Thanksgiving? Because (laughs) There are a ton of elements. I mean, the weather, okay, it's Rhode Island, so even if you're saying end of summer, it's probably cooler, but it felt very fall. Uh, You know, they're playing football outside at one point. There's a football scene. Um, Pretty sure they eat some pumpkin pie. (laughs) Yeah, apple and pumpkin pie, yeah. Yeah, it, it looked very festive. But then nobody mentioned it. And that scene happens fairly early on in in the movie. And they just kind of gloss right through it. And then, you know, you pointed out there's no turkey. And I was like, ah, yeah, good point. So, like, there really are no Thanksgiving shenanigans (laughs) around it. Um, I mean, there's no turkey at my house in Thanksgiving. I despise turkey. We have ham. But there was no centerpiece meat. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Nothing required carving. No, corn and pie were the only two things I actually remember <laughs> seeing them eat. So, yeah. Well, know. because Peter or because Tim, they all had to believe. Right. Uh, and if they all believed, then the food would come. Right. Now, interesting enough, the script is largely based on co-writer. Did you just get it? I just got it. I was like, <laughs> Why did you call me Peter? Uh, you're doing it, Peter. You're, you're doing playing with it. us. <laughs> Play with us, Peter. No, the best is when the one guy, the the chunkier lost boy, is messing with his face and he squishes. He goes, "There you are, Peter." <laughs> yeah, I we're doing hook movie. one day. We're doing hook. <laughs> totally. I saw. I was like just surfing the interwebs, and you know how when you get to the end of an article that you're reading, then there's like all these sponsored links for actress who blah blah blah. And check out these shocking photos that you've never yep. seen. Uh-huh. One yep. of them was just the the movie deaths that still traumatize us today and the image was rufio and i was yeah. like oh that was rough yeah yeah poor rufio that movie still scars me i i have nightmares about being putting in a put in a box and the blue box scorpions. that's Ugh. glenn close oh. yo I, I know yes oh anyways Ugh. okay we're not here to talk about hook no the boo box <laughs> Um, Okay, so the script is actually largely based on co-writer Pierce Gardner's experiences on summer vacations in Rehoboth Beach with his family, with his wife's family. You know, and, and for me, I think the reason why I remembered it so much is this this movie holds a special place for me. Alyssa and I watched this together for the first time, and I remember finding it hysterical. Like the scene where Britt Robertson uh, is, is it Kara, I think is the yeah, character's uh-huh. name. Kara, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's obsessed with this boy at school. The boy comes by the house and, and they're busted and, and the dad, Dan, sends him off. And Kara's just screaming and crying and chasing after him. First of all, 
I bought that at that point. Like I, I could remember knowing people and even myself just completely overreacting over, you know, little oh, yeah. boyfriends and girlfriends when I was in middle school, high school. Totally. And, you know, when she turns and is like, you're a murderer of love. Like me and Alyssa <laughs> probably said that to each other for years. That's yeah, great. But additionally, after watching this and just watching this family coming together and they just had all these activities planned, you know, and they were doing the crosswords and they were doing all this stuff. My 30th birthday came around and she planned a beach trip, right? Because they were yeah. at the beach and all this stuff. And she planned all these games and events. And so we did that for my 30th. And then it ended up becoming this like biannual thing. So mm -hmm. like every two years, the same group of friends, we'd all get together. We'd go rent a house in Rehoboth and just hang out and play games and stuff for a long weekend. So, you know, this this inspired that, you know, when we watched it, we it, it sparked that feeling of that would be so fun. And, and I think we got very lost in that. So admittedly watching it critically it doesn't hold up as well but it, this sure. is a perfect example of a movie that while it's not great it's playful enough that you can watch it and and imagine yourself being just in this situation of surrounded by people you love and having a good time and i don't know yeah. especially now where we all feel so isolated oh yeah i mean absolutely we, uh, every year for as long as i can remember my f um my dad's family rented a house somewhere whether it was at the jersey shore or um for years and years prior to going to the beach there was a community up in the poconos where we used to rent a house and on a lake and you know do boating and all that kind of stuff mm. so absolutely like this scenario is not foreign to me um these people are all probably a little bit nicer to each other than you know my family gets a little wild and we drink a little bit more probably <laughs> than, than this family <laughs> but the murderer of love thing and bringing your a girlfriend on the trip totally i remember the when i was 18 i was like i'm bringing a girlfriend and i brought a girlfriend on that trip and um yes yeah, so i i, I kind of recognize both sides of that because my parents were like you don't really want to do that and you know i had younger cousins who idolized me and you know like i was the ringleader of all the cousins and they were devastated when i brought this girl on the trip and midweek this girl was miserable that she was on the trip saying everybody hated her for a variety of reasons um and she was begging me to drive her home so like i've been on both ends of that where i was like i can't leave my girlfriend for seven days um so, yeah, I mean, in terms of that stuff, I, there's a, a spark of nostalgia for sure. These, you know, family retreat, family vacation kind of things, family reunions, whatever you want to call them. I mean, at least you were 18 at the time and not, you know, a 13 year old kid. Yeah, but I like still, it's like my it's the the mark of now that I know I'm too old. Right. Because it's all the people telling you listen to me. You don't want to do that. And then when my cousins are like, I'm going to bring my girlfriend and I turned into the listen i'm speaking from experience you don't want to bring <laughs> and i know they're not and i know they're not listening to me right because i wasn't listening to anybody when they were like don't bring your girlfriend to the family vacation did they bring girlfriends oh yeah eventually and yeah. did it all work out terribly uh it was you know it's about the same or did I they mean, have better they, taste yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i, I I didn't do the girl I was dating any favors by bringing her. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> nice. But additionally, with all of this, right, the, the gathering and the, in the festivities and the games and all this kind of stuff, they do like a talent show. They do all this crazy wild stuff. It absolutely has a feel of a gathering, a family. And so even though it's not set at Thanksgiving, 
I think it still fits in there. You can absolutely yeah. watch this as a Thanksgiving movie because it's going to give you, it's going to spark those same emotions that you get from a gathering like that. Yep. Too many people, not enough beds, yeah. someone sleeping on the couch. A little yep. bit of drama. You're in love with yep. your brother's girl, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, typical Thanksgiving. Typical. Yeah. Let's dive into talking about the finer points. Number one, I was surprised given my memory of this with how much I struggled with the characters because yeah. honestly on my first watch that I remember that being one of my favorite things. Like I sure. thought it was clever. I thought it was smart. I thought the, I thought the characters were realistic and, and believable. Like there were a lot of elements that I, I found endearing and, and something I, I felt like I hadn't really seen before. And, and it felt almost in line with, you know, a little miss sunshine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was not the case on this watch. I really, really struggled, you know, kind of with Dan in particular. He was so hard to watch. Yeah, a lot of the time he ends up coming off really creepy. That initial meet cute that they have, he's super smooth. He pulls this thing on uh, on Marie, uh, the girl he meets in the bookstore, his brother's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he draws, pulls all these books for her as she's, you know, thinking he works at the bookstore and explaining to him what kind of books, uh, books she's looking to get involved with. And he's pulling stuff off the rack and then he makes, you know, this whole joke about how he's just pulling a bunch of random stuff and then he, um, you know, he he justifies the books that he picked randomly and he comes off super smooth and then they have coffee and then from the minute that coffee ends even up through the part where he goes to win her back at the end he's just way too creepy for me and it just really bugged me that he could sit there and fall this head over heels in love with this girl while at the same time telling his middle daughter that she can't be in love with her boyfriend the way that she is as a teenager. It was it was just really strange. And it really made me uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah, he there's a lot of scenes, you know, and again, this speaks to sort of this idea where you think this movie is going to be one thing and then suddenly it shifts gears, you know. It opens up. He's a very lovable, caring father. I mean, you see the conflict between father and his daughters, but it's yeah. not anything crazy, right? He's got an older right. daughter, 17, who's desperate to drive and learning to drive and he's, you know, kind of mothering her a little right. bit too much. Um, sure. The the middle daughter is eager to be in love and in love with this boy. And, and then he has the youngest daughter, who's, who's the adorable little sweetheart, like daddy's right. girl, can't do anything wrong, but also a little bit wise beyond her years. But you get the sense, you know, we see scenes of him making their lunches, like really caringly doing these things, dropping them off. And, and you can see all that where he's a fully dedicated, devoted father. And then all of a sudden... He meets Marie in this bookstore. He's a widower who's not interested, it seems, in finding love again at the moment. And then suddenly, Mm -hmm. within seconds of just seeing this woman, is totally smooth and suave and and sort of just macking on her. And then once that connection is made, he completely just disregards his daughters and, you know, is, is ready to just sort of cast them aside to try to impress this girl and do all this stuff. And, and I don't know, it just, it just felt like very sudden, drastic shifts in Dan's character that just never made yeah. sense. And additionally, you really struggle to find 
exactly what this connection is. Besides the meet cute scene in the bookstore, right? They're barely alone together. She is very much with right. Mitch. They're going on runs. They're doing workouts. They're doing all this stuff. Dan's escaping her and his infatuation with her by running into town and taking the kids out to go get ice cream and doing all these other things. Where is this budding romance coming from? And instead, because no, of I that, mean, he just looks like this lurie, creepy, like peeping Tom type guy. Absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest scene that drives that point home is they talk, uh, they have coffee, and they talk for maybe half an hour. And uh, Marie says, he doesn't even like, d- d- oh, Dan says, oh, I didn't know you had a boyfriend. And he's like, oh, but how would I? I did all the talking. He knows nothing about her. Right. And the next time that they are alone, it's they the family's playing hide and seek or about to play hide and seek and dan is fake uh foe showing marie on the map where they are in rhode island and he's like whispering he's like how could you do this like what, what, what are you doing here and he's not entitled to say that to this person he's like she's still a stranger to him and then immediately they start playing hide and seek and they're hiding behind the bed and together and He's, he's we need we need ground rules we need to set some ground rules ground rules for what yeah well and that's you, mirrored you, too you, when she's in the bathroom and we'll come back to the bathroom scene but she's like in the bathroom yeah. and he goes in there and is like oh we need to separate we need to do this and you know i'm gonna try he <laughs> he uh i guess she was like looking good or something oh the the salsa moves on the workout thing and so he's like, right. you can't be doing that. And he's like, I'll, I'll try to tone down my sexiness for you. And, and he's being serious. And she laughs him off, which is the right. appropriate response. Like, this is, it's a, and even early on when they first discover each other and he approaches her at the map, her response is, this is a funny story. Let's just tell everybody. I didn't right. do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. It's hilarious. We can all laugh about it, but he's constantly trying to, and, and by I just mean his character, right? His his character serves right. this role of just being this constant force that really doesn't exist for anybody else but him to try to drive this love story narrative throughout the course of this movie because the storyline, the writing, the situations, all of that failed to do it. It relies solely on Dan trying to convince you, the viewer, that these two people have this love connection and are soulmates and belong together and that she and his brother do not. And the movie constantly right. fails at doing that. Right. And I mean, Dan himself even said when when they exchanged numbers, he said, we're nothing than t- we're two people finishing a conversation. Right. Oh, you have right. a boyfriend. We're two people. So why they could have just finished that conversation at any point throughout the weekend why did you have to go head over heels creepy uh you know into this girl it, it just it made no sense yeah. no sense no 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 absolutely it, it becomes like this weird obsessive thing based what only on what she looks like i guess i, I don't know i guess it is what it is I, so you know yeah i i really struggle with the dan character i i think using a character to fully drive a point throughout the course of your movie a plot point that your story doesn't actually set is a really right. dangerous thing and i think that's what happens here and it and it backfires terribly another character or you know two i guess that really bothered me were also the daughters i yes. felt like they were written horribly and they they come off 
villainous. That wasn't the sense I got at the beginning. It's not what you expect with a widower, single father raising girls. Like you expect a tighter connection, more like what he has with his youngest. And there's scenes where Jane is the eldest daughter and Jane, there's a scene where they're playing football and, and he falls on Marie and they, you know, it's, it's your classic lingering false mother, whatever. Right. And, and then they get up and they, and they go around and then Jane comes up and is like, Lily was asking me, why is dad flirting with Mitch's girlfriend? What? what? That little girl wouldn't say that. Why couldn't Jane just be the one to be like, what are you doing, dad? She's 17. She gets it. Like, these girls are just written weird and terribly. And, and then Jane and Kara are just monstrous throughout the bulk of this movie. And, and it's sometimes in search of comedy, but I feel like it, it kind of misses the mark and it just comes off douchey. Well, and the other thing you get that gets lost in all of this is Dan is a possibly soon to be syndicated columnist on parenthood and parenting. Yeah. And it's sort of like you could explain it and be like, oh, ho, ho, the, the guy who writes, you know, column advice for parents can't parent his own, own kids. Ha ha ha. I feel like that's but a missed opportunity. It's not really driven home. It's not because they have these issues. And then once Marie comes into the picture... He might as well not even have daughters until everything gets wrapped up at the end. And suddenly he's like, oh, you're right. You can fall in love in three days. And oh, haha, I need you to drive me to go get the girl because I suddenly lost my license. And, uh, you know, you you need to drive me. It's like he spent no time trying to resolve the issues that the movie opens with his daughters. No time trying to parent them. And it it, it is a missed opportunity, like you said. But you also see throughout the movie his nieces and nephews really seem to like him. You know, they all really care when he shows up at the house. They're like, oh, Uncle Dan. And he's got little inside jokes or little things with with all of his nieces and nephews. He takes a few of them out, um, uh, you know, to, to find seashells and then to the, um, you know, try to go bowling into the um, lighthouse. And so they all seem to like him a lot. And but he never tries to resolve these issues with his with his own kids at all. And they become a footnote to the point that well, I'm not even sure that framework was necessary for the real work of the story. He doesn't need to be a dad. He doesn't need to be a widower. He, he could have been a 40-year-old virgin, you know? <laughs> I think what's interesting about that, too, is you can kind of see it from multiple ways that the screenwriting fails you. Because... Yeah. You know, there there are there are scenes and moments, right? So in the beginning, we're introduced to the fact that there is some tension between him and his two eldest daughters. The oldest yep. one, like I said, is learning to drive, and he's keeping her too close to the chest and not letting her drive. Um, and, and then the middle one is in love with this boy, and he's trying to tell her that that's inappropriate. But at no point is he crazy. Like, <laughs> is he out of line with what you would expect, Right. The eldest daughter wants to drive, but she's asking to drive when they're all heading up on this long trip up to Rhode Island to go for this family trip. He's got to pick up the other kids, right? So it's, she, she's like, can I drive? Can I drive? No, I, I just want to get there. This isn't right. a let's learn to drive moment. This is a let's right. get to Rhode Island. Like right. No parent would watch this and be like, that's an unreasonable denial. Secondly, when the boy shows up at the house in the morning to pick up Kara, the middle daughter, mm -hmm. He goes and he opens the door and he asks to see his daughter and he calls for Jane. Like, he's like, this is fine. This is the way of the world. And then when he says he's there for Kara, he was like, you seem like a great kid. Come back in two years, right? Kara's what, 13? It's not unreasonable yeah. to say, 
you can't date at the age of 12 or 13, right? Right. And then being so intense, regardless of what he decides to do as a, an adult, and we'll have words about that too, but, you know, if he wants to fall in love with this grown-ass woman or do whatever, that's his prerogative. Right. He's not a 13-year-old child. So, so for all this, for that to be the point of tension, and then, and then what happens at the end? That they're, what, proven right? Because he loses right. his license? So now, oh, we should have let the 17-year-old drive to Rhode Island? You know, th- those are not mutually exclusive. And, and and what? Because he fell in love with Juliet Binoche in three days that he should allow his 13-year-old daughter to make right. out with this boy who her response is, don't worry, Dad. When it comes to having sex, he's the one who wants to wait. That's going to spark me to say, oh, this is fine. You, you know what right. I mean? Like, I don't see yeah. how that is this is this family conflict that needs to be resolved and i don't see how it is resolved additionally and i know i'm talking a lot but the other thing is you see him throughout the movie trying to be dad to his daughters right yeah they they mm-hmm. attack him and just come at him so aggressively and, and his response is i gotta go talk to the girls i gotta everyone around him is like oh they need space oh leave them be Oh, this. And then the whole point at the end is that he's abandoned his daughters. Like everyone around him is telling them not to go talk to them right now. And and so he does that. He invites them all to come to take a drive with him to go do this stuff. And the two eldest are like, I'm about to do this and I'm about to do that. You know, so I, I yep. again, it just it falls hollow. It just doesn't. I, I never there's no point in this besides the obvious conflict between Dan, Mitch, and Marie, I don't see any like real solid <laughs> conflict within his own family. And it all just feels very dressed up, you yes. know, and, and just not fully thought out or well executed at all. No, I, I agree 100%. It, it definitely falls flat. And really, you know, you're talking about the relationship between Mitch, Dan, and Marie. And that's another character that just felt confusing for me. It was the, the the Marie character. And I can't, I still struggle with it. I think if she was just somebody that Dan fell for in the bookstore and they meet again, yeah, sure. I mean, she, she, she's, you know, seems like his type, you know, like 40-year-old virgin. Steve Carell's character in 40-year-old virgin wasn't gonna you know come away with a a a hot supermodel right that that doesn't work for that movie and same thing here you know he's a widower with three older kids you know i think uh uh, juliette binoche works for that character but then she's also his youngest brother's current girlfriend and i just i couldn't reconcile both of those things right i couldn't Mm. see what her being cast in that role, why that worked for both of them as a love interest. And, you know, they talk about Mitch um, having a, a history. Um, Dan really harps on him having a history. And then, he, you know, he's into flight attendants and, you know, he seems to be through a string of one night stands. And, you know, it, Mitch makes some, he implies some things of why he fell for Marie, but it's still just, they don't feel like the right couple to me and that really hurt that conflict for me as i just didn't see her working for both of those for those characters what bothered me about it 
I can obviously, like you said, and, and I fully agree, I can see Dan and Marie together. Absolutely. The, the connection between their characters makes sense to me, right? Okay. They're both a little bit older. She's got this maternal quality, although it doesn't seem she has any children or anything like that. You know, she's this adventuring, traveling person. Dan seems like he's more reserved. Like, you know, it makes sense. Oh, this is the wild, you know, gypsy woman who is going to sweep me away and show me adventures. You, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It was actually, it was so funny when she was describing her character. I was just like, so is she just playing her character from Chocolat? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to travel where the wind takes me and, right, oh, right. here's my daughter. So anyways, but but again, I, I can see that making sense. Additionally, I can see Mitch, the youngest brother, being drawn to her as well, right? Because like mm-hmm. you said, we are given insight into his past, just a parade of flight attendants and whatever else. And he's in the gym. He sees this older, mature, like worldly woman. She's very attractive. This is mm-hmm. the opposite end of his spectrum, which has been failing him his whole life. So I can understand yeah. that. I I have a harder time seeing her lowering a standard for Mitch, right? Sure. And I think yeah. I think there's parts where, again, missing pieces of this movie where. Yeah. You know, she she alludes to some things, right? When when Dan is talking about his past, his brother's past, she says something like, Mitch told me when we first got together that he would forgive me my past if I forgave him his. And, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff where... And, and then, I have this later in the notes, but might as well do it now. There's a scene where Mitch pulls a book Dan wrote, right? We have no indication he wrote a book. Suddenly, no. out of nowhere... Mitch pulls out this book and it's like, oh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Marie Dan's book to read. She right. she came here with all these books from this bookstore, but I'm gonna give her this one. And, and so uh, whatever, he has Dan sign it. He gives it to her to read. And so you know, there's there's a scene where she mentions that. Then there's a line later at this dinner scene where he's <laughs> he's like, I walked in and I th- I thought I saw an angel in the room and and you right. know just these really cheesy lines that she really and she's like oh and it turns out these are lines in Dan's book because right. there's this one throwaway line later on where she's just like angels in the room and you forgive me my past I'll forgive you yours all his best lines were yours and it's like but that doesn't come through any point in this movie we see her reading the book mm-hmm. once she never is like oh Dan's right. writing is so beautiful and we don't even know what the book is about we, we have no idea absolutely none and, and so we know it's fiction that's it all we got is it's fiction right so you know we we get this insight later which makes us we can maybe think back and say maybe she thought mitch was more mature than he actually was but yeah. this is a lot of work this is a lot of critical viewing trying to find and pinpoint specific moments in the movie to go it shouldn't be this difficult for a casual viewer you should be able to right. get in there and make sense of it and understand who these characters are and why they relate to each other and that's difficult but even if you set all that aside my biggest problem with marie and the casting of juliette binoche i think juliette binoche is incredible I think she's an amazing actress, but I think she's an incredible dramatic actor, right? Yeah. And and I think a movie like this really requires a comedy first approach to casting. You've got Steve sure. Carell, you've got Dane Cook, Diane Weiss, uh, John Mahoney, 
you know, yeah. all these characters come in who who are comedy first, but can play it straight too, and and that that affects the timing of these moments that are supposed mm-hmm. to be awkward and funny at the same time, you know, yep. painful and tragic and funny. This this movie is trying to be like a, a Shakespearean comedy, right, where the tragedy yeah. is funny, and it fails with her character because she feels awkward and out of place throughout the movie. And, yes. and, and it's, and it's more so than the awkwardness that she, her character, Marie is supposed to feel in the situation. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like an actor out of their element. And, yeah. and, and I struggled to, uh, to bring that together as well with her. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm not sure who I would put in that role instead. I think there was a point when Emily Blunt shows up as uh, a local girl that Dan might have known back in high school or, or something is sort of implied. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I could see that, but I'm not sure Emily Blunt is the, the comedic actress for that role either. And all of these pieces combined, all these things that we've just talked about, really kind of did them no favors right in this casting because I'm not really sure what you do. I'm not really sure where you turn to make all of these pieces work and make these pieces fit well together. The more I I think about it though, Emily Blunt can play up. She can play mature. Like I could have, I mean, they even make the implication, right? They knew her as a kid, Ruthie pig face Draper, you know, and they sing this whole song, but they all know her and they set her up with Dan so she's not too young. I think she just she seemingly seems younger because she plays this like dumb character. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I mean they they clearly see her as appropriate for Dan. I think if she had come into this in yeah. her character, I think she could have played Marie really well. That's interesting. I think you're right. She does kind of <laughs> she bimbos it up a little too hard. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> she feels like Anna Ferris in uh Just Friends. Yeah. 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 <laughs> minus the quaaludes and toothpaste. Yeah, minus that. <laughs> At least that we know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think you know, characters is is a low point in this, or, or rather, it's a struggle in this movie. But I, I again, I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think mm-hmm. they did the best with what they had. I think it's just really a testament to the fact that the writing is just not good and is the real failure of this movie. We've yeah. we've talked about some of that already. The you know the major element of you know how did Dan and Marie come together? How he doesn't even really know her. That stuff's just not really explained. Yeah. Um, additionally, there are just so many scenes that are difficult to believe. Like why would you write these in there? Right. The first one that comes to my mind is when Jane. Uh, walks into the bathroom to talk to Marie. Marie is in the bathroom. <laughs> yep. She is using the facilities. She yep. is washing her face. She just had an epic workout. She's going to get cleaned up and hop in the shower. Strike one, Dan just walks in. This is the scene I was talking about where he's just like, yep. I'll try to be less sexy if you do. And she laughs him off like, you ridiculous man. Like, yep. I'm just doing, I'm just having a good time. Get out of here. So he goes and he hides in the shower. Then his daughter Jane decides to totally wreck her privacy and walk into this bathroom and starts talking to Marie while she's trying to get ready to take a shower, which leads to this really forced moment, (laughs) awkward moment of a naked Marie in the shower with Dan, fully clothed with the shower on, and he's getting soaked and she's just standing there after he was just telling her, be less sexy, now she's butt naked in front of him. Right. But this scene never happens in real life. 
No. I mean, I, up until this point, my wife says, she goes, oh, they're really nice to newcomers in this family. Like, they're asking her all nice things and, you know, help letting her participate in the games. And they were all enamored with her, you know, solving the um, the crossword puzzle. And then this scene happens. I was like, oh. Yeah, they're 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 real nice to newcomers in this family. <laughs> like, <laughs> so please ridiculous. get undressed while we have a life conversation, woman. I just met four yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> Stranger, and hop in the shower. Let me show you how to turn it on as if you are incapable. <laughs> and and then and and Marie just goes. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah, you're right. Let me let me go ahead and get naked in front of this child I just met, right. and let her talk to me while I bathe myself. Like, why is she, who agrees to that? Uh, uh, it, it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> it was hard to watch, you know, and, but addition, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the dinner scene with all the questions. That yeah. scene really bothered me. I yeah. The dialogue is another thing in this movie that is terrible at times. And, and and the interactions are just so ridiculous. In that dinner scene, the family is asking Marie questions. And are they asking like, oh, so what do you do? And what's your middle name? And do, where are your parents? Do you have kids? They're asking like, what's your perfect day? Like, if you could write the movie of your stars, what would be the vision they cast upon the world? You know, it's like, yeah. who asks questions like that? Of a right. strange, what's your perfect day? I mean, and all of this is just underscores again the fact that we know nothing about this woman. Nothing we at all. We literally learn nothing. I can tell you she is from New York, and that is the only thing I know because it was her license plate. And that's me assuming she didn't rent that car. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fact. I didn't even know I, that. Yeah. I, it, it, uh, and we Dan know she travels. Her. She travels. Yeah. Dan is from Jersey because his car, his license plate was a Jersey license plate. Um, but we literally know nothing else about her. We don't know if she has a family. We don't know if she's been married. Like I, nothing else really comes out about her, which then goes back to what we said earlier, makes Dan even creepier because we know nothing about this woman. She could be a serial killer for all we know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. And <laughs> so there are all these moments all these things, all these elements that nothing is fully explained. We don't know this character. So therefore, we can't understand the tangible relationships. There, you know, is this a holiday or is it not? Why is right. there pumpkin pie and apple pie if this is a closing down the house for the summer? Why right. are we, you know, it's also really cold outside, but also kind of not, right? There's, there are so many moments that you feel like this movie is about to be one thing or maybe for a minute thought it was one thing and then they made a directorial shift and we're like, look, we don't want to make this a Thanksgiving thing. You know, we're going to make it something else. I, I mean, it released in late October. It's yeah. primed to be this movie. You know, also her reading Dan's book and us not really getting to see that happen, getting to see her gaining insights into Dan or, or, you know, also Dan's dramatic shift in his character arc to a very negative tone where mm -hmm. we don't really see, a, a, we don't ever really see a real struggle with him. You know, he, he's telling everyone he doesn't want to be set up. He doesn't want to move on, but he's doing everything in his power to get with Marie. Yeah. So, you know, it is, it's this really difficult thread multiple threads to follow and at the end it just feels like there were 
huge chunks of this movie missing. I mean, a 98-minute runtime is pretty lean. I yes. felt like a lot ended up on the cutting room floor and they pieced together like two or three visions heading towards different endings. Yeah. And it all felt, including with the ending of the of the casual wrap-up at the wedding scene, it just, right. it all felt very thrown together. I kept coming back to Wedding Crashers in this movie because it, it just, to me, what happens in Wedding Crashers was how I would have wanted to see Dan and Marie play out in this movie. So hmm. in terms of like, you know, Owen Wilson meets Rachel McAdams character and they share some moments together. They have extended alone time together. They develop this relationship. And even at the end, they weren't in it to get married. Right. I think Owen Wilson says, like, oh, what, I want to marry, you No, like, we're just we're having fun or whatever. You know, yeah, I want to date you. Right. But they have the beach scene. They have the scene where they meet and he helps her write her little speech. There's a scene where they sit and talk on when they're sailing, things like that. We have no extended scenes in this movie beyond that first, you know, coffee scene. They spend no alone time together. I would have liked to have seen them get a few more of those moments away from the family, a la what we see in Wedding Crashers, to kind of understand, okay, they have a connection. There is something here. You know, Marie should have gone with them when he took the kids out for, uh, you know, the, the little excursion. She should have tagged along there. Or, you know, they they could have finished their conversation, right? The whole thing that Dan said at the beginning. They could have found time to finish their... Nobody on those things, on the family vacations, all goes to bed at the same time. You mean to tell me that nobody stayed up till 2 a.m., you know shooting the shit like that like there's always somebody hanging out right like mm -hmm. it's just the fact that they waltoned it and all went to bed like good night john boy all at the same time was <laughs> like you know I don't, I don't i don't buy that so they could have had more time together and the same thing with his daughters i feel like he could have had some more time with his daughters you know alone time with his middle daughter again to try and put some of his world-renowned parenting advice into action and try and talk to his daughters because again they weren't insurmountable problems they weren't you know family shattering issues they're a good dad talk away from you know everything being okay but again, like you said, these parts of the movie are just missing. And it just totally makes you feel like you're watching a TV edit, right? That's what it feels like. Yes. It's like I'm watching a TV edit for sure. Yeah. The next time you see Dan and Marie together is in the bowling alley. And they're already in the throes of love with one another, basically. It's yeah. like the confirmation scene. They spend no time in the, in the in the interim. And I think 20 minutes. Give me 20 minutes more of some real development and interactions. And I think it... It does a lot for this movie and use that 20 minutes to really define the the course of this, you know, of the three acts and, and take and show me the story. Like I, the, the middle, there's it's a muddy middle, right? Yeah. We set the stage of the widower. We end with this wedding and and the whole in between is nonsensical. Yeah. I mean, and alternately. We also don't really get any evidence that her and Mitch aren't working out, right? So it seems like she only leaves him because she's more in love with Dan. Right. But why? But why? I mean, her and Mitch have a history and they don't 
Mitch is clearly enamored with her as much as we get the sense that he could be based on, again, on his history, but we don't see any reason why she'd be itching to leave him. And again, going back to the wedding crashers analogy thing, you know, we saw situations where Bradley Cooper's character was a jackass and Rachel McAdams really was unsure about her future with him. So you could feel Mm. that there was that opening there. And it really just feels in this movie that Dan felt entitled to this woman because he ran into her at a bookstore. And he's the older brother. I don't don't know. (laughs) Such a good point. Yep. I I completely agree. And I think that analogy is spot on. You wouldn't think, you know, I was, I was thinking more wedding crashers with this, but that's exactly right. It's, it's a prime example of setting that, doing that, doing that work, (laughs) doing the groundwork to get me the viewer there. And, And this movie doesn't do that for me. I will say, all that being said, and I mentioned this at the top, I mean, looking at it critically, it's not a strong movie. It's not strongly written, but there are parts of it that are really endearing and enjoyable and funny. And and this, this movie is funny. And I particularly, me and my wife, loved it when we first saw it. I liked it less now, but I did find some of the scenes a lot funnier, especially watching it now as a parent, right? Yeah. And not just so much like what the kids are saying and doing, but watching watching the kids react to the parents and watching the parents and the adults trying to interact with one another while being surrounded by children led to a lot of funny moments. You know, the, the murder of love stuff and the overly dramatic stuff, kind of funny. There's some really great cuts in this. You know, when we see Jane asking to drive that first time, she's all happy and excited. And the next thing you see the car pulling in, Dan is still driving into a parking space and Jane is just fully pissed in the passenger side. And and I get it. I get that. Like I have to devastate my son daily where he's yeah. like, Daddy, can we? And it's like, nope. And then it's yep. just dejection. You mentioned scenes of like everyone going to bed and stuff at the same time. As ridiculous as that is, one of the funniest scenes is when Dan is upstairs trying to talk to people and then everyone just goes in the rooms and the doors all close at once and he's just standing there like, all right, okay. You know, it yep. really isolates him alone. And and I thought it was hilarious. Um, you know, Diane so- Weiss is the mom. Yeah, he's it. alone, but not alone at the same time. Because I think one of the funnier scenes too is when his mom and dad are trying to have a heart to heart with him in his little auxiliary laundry cot room, and then yeah. everybody comes in to do laundry, and he's like, "All right, I guess you know it's all out there now." Like, you know, even I think one of the kids walks in and they're like, "Oh, are you guys talking about what's wrong with Uncle Dan?" Yes, it, yes. You know, uh, that, and I have to believe that this was ad libbed, but the whole there's uh, a lot of that in this movie. The pig, the pig face song is yes. absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. So when they sing that song about Ruthie Pigface Draper, it is just amazing. And you can watch all oh, the kids are cracking up as they're singing it. And Dane Cook is like clearly in his element at this point. <laughs> So, no, it yeah. is no that is one of the funniest scenes. Apparent ad libbing was highly encouraged. You do not bring a cast like this together and tell them to stick to the script. Apparently one of the, one of the biggest ad libs was when she makes the comment or when, when, uh, when Mitch makes that comment about, you know, being an angel, like when I walked in, I felt like I saw an angel in the room. And when Steve Carell goes, this corn is an angel. Apparently that was fully ad-libbed and they had to cut immediately. Apparently when you watch the movie, you can watch Alison pill going from very dead straight face to immediately trying to, fight back laughing and apparently the whole table erupts in laughter so they had to cut it really quick 
But, you know, there is stuff like that throughout, and you you totally get that. And that's, you know, giving them the room to play like that, Yeah, all for that. Those moments come through, and this movie is genuinely funny at times. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think for me, if, like I said, it has a special place for me because it's a, it's a really fond memory of me and Alyssa watching this, cracking up, finding the, the characters kind of funny and then the situations kind of funny, you know, it sparked this, this trip for us, you know, with our friends mm-hmm. and, and those yep. have been happy memories. And, and when you watch this movie, despite the poor writing, what really does come through is a loving, caring family, you yeah. know, that seems to really enjoy spending time together. And if you're looking for a Thanksgiving type movie, that's going to spark a sense of that, you know, family community, this movie yeah. does deliver that despite yeah. some of the portrayals and some of the issues. It's a light load to carry. It's a light watch. It's a lean sure. movie. You don't have to invest a ton, but if you want to sit down and really make sense of something and have something really hit home, I don't think this movie does that. But if you're looking for something that gives you the feels of Thanksgiving, of a holiday, of family, and gives you a few laughs, I think this movie absolutely delivers that. And I think it's a I think it's a reasonable watch. I do not think it's worth buying. I think it's absolutely worth the rental price of like two ninety nine, three ninety nine, and mm-hmm. you kick back and watch it, especially if you've never seen it before. I personally I give it a six out of ten only because of that sentimental stuff. Sure. I genuinely think this movie's a four. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking for something there are better movies out there. I mean, especially coming off on the heels of, you know, 500 days of summer and what kind of a revolution revelation that movie was to me in terms of like, you know, a a romantic dramedy, Um, you know, I, it, this just doesn't live up to that. And there are pieces, you know, that we, we didn't touch on that still just don't sit right with you. I think I liked this movie more this time than I did when I saw it in 2007, 2008, you know, again, at that point, I think this movie suffered under what you were expecting from a Steve Carell, you know, with, with little miss sunshine being probably his, his only really dramatic, big, you know, credit movie at that point in time, you're like, Ooh, Steve Carell, this is going to be hilarious. You know, especially after 40 year old virgin, you're like, Oh, you know, a Steve Carell carried movie. And then that's not what this was, you know, this is his first kind of, um, you know, main credit to kind of stretch his 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 wings a little bit um so it really fell flat then i think now you know because of that nostalgia that i can kind of relate to it that family reunion having a special place where you guys go and you know you have a history there i think for maybe five is fine i think i really tend to agree with all of those ratings except for google it's really it is middle of the road nothing earth shaking happens um you know you want to just believe in this love story you know at face value then then fine um there's just there's too much there when you start pulling at those strings it's just kind of like yeah everything is fine in the end you know but you don't feel like you wasted a ton of time because of its short clip that you're just kind of like well you know, that was fun. Feels good. Move on. You know, what are we watching next sort of thing? So, you know, when you're looking for something easy breezy and you don't want to think too hard about it. Sure. Fine. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Agree completely. Um, okay. I think that's about it. I think that sums up 
Dan in real life. It's worth it if you're looking for what it is. And sure. uh, and it's worth three bucks to be... We'll average it as a five, you know, because yeah. I gave it a six for sentimental, but said it was probably a four. You said a four or five. So we'll average it at a five. Um, yeah. Right in the middle of the road. Okay. What's coming up next? So next Thursday, guys, is Thanksgiving Day. So you, as we've been talking... What? Do you know what today is? The day that this episode comes out? The Thursday before Thanksgiving Day? Yeah. Is it the Thursday before Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, it's also um, a certain day that's really important for me. Give it to him, Tim. It's my birthday. Happy birthday, Tim. <laughs> Tim's birthday episode. Aw, happy yeah. birthday, Tim. Everybody yeah. show Tim some love and, and like this and subscribe to it yeah. as, as external validation for Tim's Absolutely. existence. Yeah. 35 years. Boom. Boom. Drop the mic. 35? 35. How are you only 35? I thought you'd be turning 36 because I turned 37 in March. 85. November 85. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought we were going to tie up. I thought nope. I thought it was. Oh, no, that makes sense. Because you're 80. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's how science works. <laughs> well, happy birthday to you, Tim. Thank you. And how and dare happy... you let me forget it until the very end. We yeah, should have opened fine. with that. And then happy Thanksgiving to all of us, right? So back on yes. track. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. So as we've been saying, Tim and I are going to take a break and spend time with our families this Thanksgiving. I mean, we're not really doing anything, but we're not going to do no. this. So <laughs> I, I'm, I realized uh, I started panic buying. Uh, Thanksgiving food uh, on my last grocery trip. So this past Saturday, because I realized I've never had to buy Thanksgiving food before. It's always right. been provided for me. So I was like, do things start running out? What, what What's the smallest turkey I can buy? Should I buy cranberries now and freeze them? Because what if they don't have them next week? So yeah, I, weird problems that I've never had before. <laughs> yeah, we're doing uh, Alyssa requested. So Alyssa's half Italian and a quarter German and a quarter English. That's about so me. <laughs> yeah. we are the same person apparently. So basically, she's white. Alyssa's white. Right. So she requested. She's a huge fan of Italian food. Absolutely loves it. So she wanted us because we can't. Maggiano's is one of our favorite restaurants. Yeah, we kind of do so our good. birthdays there all the time. Yeah, you remember. And yeah. then uh, <laughs> we opened up this pandemic there. Um, <laughs> but she wanted us to try our hand at making some of our favorite dishes from there. So That's our Thanksgiving sweet. is going to be like Maggiano's themed. But it's, nice. it's literally just us. Like, I mean, we're not having anybody. Yep. So I'm trying to make it for two people and one doesn't eat turkey. So let's get ham, there buddy. Ham, <laughs> ham steaks. Or ham no biscuits meat. in the morning. No meat. She doesn't eat meat. Who doesn't? Carissa? My wife. Yeah. She's a vegetarian. Pescatarian. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew yeah. you guys did like meatless meals, but I just thought it was because you were health conscious. Nope. Well, uh, yes, but no. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Tim. Good for you. Um... So, uh, so yeah, next week, no episode, but we'll throw up a little message or something yeah, to remind you guys. And we will be back the following Thursday, December 3rd, with our next re Rewind episode, which will, of course, be holiday-themed. So Woo. more details to come on that. And one other update for our season break. Originally, <laughs> and we've been talking about doing a break 
from January to the first Thursday of April. So we would go on break after New Year's and then come back the first Thursday of April. But Tim and I decided that is much longer than we want to be apart from yeah. each other and from yep. you. So we're going to we're going to come back early. What we're going to do is uh we're going to still take off for Christmas. We'll still have our New Year's episode. Uh, we're going to take the month of January off to kind of rest, recoup, let Tim learn how to father a child. And then we're going to come back the first Thursday of February will be our first episode back for season two. Why? Because we'll just miss it too much. So we're, yep. we're going to test that out. We'll see how that plays out. And then uh, we'll run season two, like we said, until the following new year. And uh, if we felt like it was too short or if we felt it was just right, we can make tweaks before season three. But yeah. Anyways, so there you go, guys. You're welcome. You're going to get extra positive reviews than you were banking on. If that's what this show is still. Is it? Is it positive reviews? I I, I am positive reviews? You are positive <laughs> reviews? No, it's definitely you. <laughs> Dan, Dan is positive reviews? Um, <laughs> all right, guys. That's about it. So, of course, as always, check out this episode and all of our episodes on the Podbean app because that is our wonderful podcasting host so you can download yep. the app on apple on android on whatever and you can stream this all of our episodes and many other shows uh but of course we are also available in all the other directories wherever you get your podcasts apple podcast yep. google podcast spotify stitcher iHeartRadio. check us out on instagram we post stuff during the week as we can at pause reviews and if you need to reach us and you have to do it by email why not do it there pausereviews at gmail.com oh yeah and the website pausereviews.com which yep. is also hosted now by podbean thank you so yeah. much podbean you guys are amazing i think that's it yeah uh, that sums it up we're gonna we'll, we'll see you uh, in the yuletide in the yuletide as always thank you for listening i'm your host frank this is tim and we'll see you guys in two weeks happy birthday to me happy birthday to tim <laughs> All right, guys. See ya. Peace.